When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome. It's our bonus Q&A episode of Books of the Year in the studio with top author David McCloskey. It's Q&A time. Before we get to the first question, I did. I wanted to mention Slow Horses. Mm. Have you seen it? Yes. Have you read the books? I have read half the books. Okay. Okay. What do you What do you make of of Slow Horses? Because I've read one of the books mm-hmm. uh, spoken uh, to McHeron, but um, Gary Oldman is is yeah. now. It, that that yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's Jackson Lamb. Yeah, you yeah. can't go back to the books and not see anyone. Else. That's right. What's your t- j- just a couple of sentences on what you make of Slow Horses? So love them. Uh, love the show. I think the thing I love most about those books um, is that there is such drama and and action and tension just in people sitting in rooms talking, which I'm very jealous of as a writer because. To do that is hard. You have to have phenomenal characterization and characters to be able to make that interesting, you know, and especially in in espionage fiction where a lot of the tropes are they're more action based and, you know, you tend to think about things being maybe a little bit more plot dominated. You know, the fact that he's got this sort of ensemble cast that he's also willing to, like, kill people off <laughs> with a lot of regularity Um and that he's got these wonderful creations in particular in Cartwright and, and Jackson Lamb. I mean, I just think it's they're phenomenal. Yeah, okay. I love the book. I kind of thought that's what you'd think. Anyway, yeah. so uh, first uh, question. In this Q&A, I think this is the only question that you've uh, answered before, but you've probably read a couple of books since then. What is the last book, David, that you really, really enjoyed reading? So I, you know, it's it's recent too. So I just finished a book by Charles Beaumont, who's a not his real name. He's a former MI6 guy. It's called A Spy Alone, um, and that book was tremendous fun. Uh, he does a great job. So the, the premise is basically there is a a number of kind of Russian assets. Let's just make it simple: people operating at the highest levels of the of the British government. And you have a um, a former MI6 guy who is uh, out of the service and who is kind of brought in to help try to run these guys down. And it was a great mix of fascinating characters, sort of contemporary British politics, Russian, UK geopolitics, and great tradecraft. And I had a ton of fun with that book. So Charles Beaumont, but not his real name. Not his real name. Probably Gordon Carrera. It's probably Gordon Carrera. Definitely Gordon, isn't it? Um, Do you, David? Do you have a favourite author? Perhaps someone you've actually met. Mm. Favorite author who I've not met would be Le Carre. Uh Um, Favorite author I have met. I mean, I'm going to say Montefiore Simon. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Who who provided that you know the wonderful endorsement of the book. Uh, he randomly came to Dallas. He's come a couple times for book stuff over the past year. And I actually went, so as, as 
I think I was in high school when the book came out. He wrote um, Young Stalin, which I think yeah. he wrote Court of the Red Czar first and then Young Stalin after. But I have distinct memories, actually. Every Christmas, I would get some money from my, my dad, and I would always use it for books. And I remember going to Barnes & Noble and buying Young Stalin with, like, you know, 20 bucks as, as, as a kid uh, and, and just eating it up. And so... I've gotten to know him over the past year or so. He's come to Dallas a few times, so I'd say Simon. Yeah. And if you want to hear more from Simon Seabag Montefiore, check out our previous podcast because uh, his tying together of his books, Jerusalem, uh, and the the uh, world history based Correct. around families yeah. is quite astonishing. Um, the screenwrites for Damascus Station, which you came on to talk about, um, before have been sold to Lionsgate. Do you have a favorite film adaptation that you would like your movie to be as good as? I'm going to give you a, a limited series, if that's okay, a TV yeah. show. Um, so The Spy, it featured Sasha Baron Cohen as the Mossad oh, spy yeah. Ellie Cohen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on Netflix. Yeah. Um that series had, I think, the perfect kind of atmosphere of, you know, it, it. there was some action in that, but it was slow burn. Mm -hmm. It was very precise in the way that it rendered Damascus in the 60s and, and, and Tel Aviv in the 60s. Um, that was the, and, and it was very, it was very tense and it was very focused. It, it was focused on the geopolitics of it, but mostly what it did wonderfully was it took the geopolitics and the relationships and sort of brought the stakes all together in one. And and that, I think, tension is, when it's done well, is just beautiful and and propulsive. And so that would be my answer for what I would, if, if Damascus Station were adapted, what it would be yeah. like. And I imagine you will write the screenplay. Or in fact, you've probably so. already written it <laughs> in a lunchtime. <laughs> While we sitting here. That's right. Uh, I, I, you know, no. I mean, I, I, I feel like, the idea of writing another novel, I can get my head around. Uh, the idea of, of writing a screenplay feels very foreign to me. I might leave that to the professionals. Are you a um, a completist reader? By which I mean two things. Number one, if you're reading a book, will you always finish it? And number two, if there is an author bringing out anything, will you go? I love that author. I am always reading whatever they have to whatever whatever they have to provide. I'm going to read them. So, so sort of two <clears throat> sections to that question. So the first, I'll, I'll definitely stop reading books. Uh -huh. um, I don't, I mean, life is short. There's a limited number of books I will read before I'm dead. And I feel like if I don't like a book, if I'm not, in, especially if it's fiction, yeah. you know, I'll put that, I'll put books down pretty rapidly. If I if I get stuck or I just feel like it's not clicking, I'll just, I'll just put it away. Um, so definitely put them down. I think uh, writers who I'll read anything from, uh, you know, Probably not, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I think for me right now, I, honestly, now that I'm writing, it's taken a little bit of the joy out of reading, uh, to be honest with you. I feel like I'm always, even if I'm sitting down to read something and in my head it's purely for pleasure, I'm always trying to deconstruct it and figure out what makes this scene work or not work or what what's this arc feel like? How do they handle the characterization? How do they move the plot here? effortlessly how do they deal with backstory the pros like i kind of um i typically am taking notes and and thinking about it and writing down turns of phrase and things like that so it, it's kind of it's 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 made it harder for me to just say look there's a new greg hurwitz daniel silva 
you know, uh, new McCarran, and like, I'm just going to pick it up automatically, less the case. So you have a reason for not, it's touching on the thing we talked about before. I don't read fiction because yeah, yeah, yeah. your friends don't yeah, read because yeah, yeah. it's all made up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. David doesn't do it because <laughs> he thinks it's just too much like a busman's holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, now, we always surprise our guests with a question from a fan. Here is a voice note for you, David, from The Times, chief political commentator who has gone on about you in print and online at great length, as you know, Tim Shipman. Hi, Simon. Hi, Matt. And hello, David. This is Tim Shipman from The Sunday Times. I'm a huge fan of Damascus Station, but also... Uh, I've now read Moscow X, and I think it may be even better. Um, it's a wonderful book. But what I really want to know is there's lots of raunchy sections in this book, David. How does Mrs. McCloskey uh, respond when she reads those? See, I, was good. I had written this down <laughs> yes. because the Financial Times complimented you about steamy sex scenes and gives you full marks because that's not often the case uh, in this kind of book. So to Tim's question, what did Mrs. McCloskey make of it? <laughs> All right. Before I answer, did you check? Did you before check I answer the question, I'm, I'm going to give you a prologue, which is uh, in October when when the book came out in the states. I actually I did a bit of touring in D.C. and I actually went back into CIA uh, for some just catch up meetings. And I sat down with one of my good friends. We were on we were analysts together and, and worked on Syria together, and uh, and we've kept in touch, but but you know sporadically. And and she said. We sat down at the CIA Starbucks. She was like, "You know what? I, I enjoyed the book, but it was it was I did not like <laughs> some of the scenes that you included mm -hmm. in there. Uh, she's because I didn't I, I I could not read them without thinking about you writing them, and it it wrecked it for me. Yes. Um. Uh. My my wife. So to answer the question, uh, I think she I think she feels pretty good about it. Uh, but would prefer that it weren't discussed on on podcasts. Like this. <laughs> yeah. Did she at any stage say, "Did you write this bit? Is this you?" <laughs> she, uh, I, I think she's she's gotten more comfortable with it. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm a little uncomfortable with it. Uh, I just I have the I have the I guess the the feeling that at some points in the narrative, as I'm sitting there writing, I'm thinking about. The characters and I'm thinking about how to write the story authentically and I feel like it needs to be included but the part of me uh that knows that that my dad might read this or mm -hmm. my mom still hasn't read any of the books uh, I think for maybe okay. this very reason and uh and that part of me feels like I should edit it and just take it out uh but the part of me that that is trying to make this story as effective as possible and to to do right by the characters yeah. feels like it needs to stay I I read. I think uh, Mrs. McCloskey, my wife, okay, would man. agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I wrote a book a couple of years ago, which was set in Dartmoor Prison in 1815, and uh, with American sailors. 
uh, basically. And I, I did ring my mother to say, now, Mum, I'm sending you a copy of this book. They talk in the way sailors would talk, yep. particularly in, in prison in the early 19th century. You know, so it's, in fact, it was probably a very mild version yeah. of, of the yeah. way they would speak. But you do have that parental thing. Uh, oh, for sure. I'm a bit embarrassed. And my, my dad's a writer, so, I, you know, I, I sent him, I sent him a, a draft that I feel like is ready for him to read. And uh, Artemis Proctor, as we mentioned, you know, I mean, she is she's got some colorful language, yeah. mm. and uh, and it it feels like it it's authentic to her character. This is how a lot of CIA case officers talk. And my dad did a control F once because I sent him the word document. You know, <laughs> how many times did she did she yes. you know lose control? And he said, you know, uh, he, he said, I'm stepping out of my my role here as your thoughtful editor. He's like, as your father, this was a, mm-hmm. he said, I think you should cut the number down. <laughs> and did you? A little bit. All okay. oh, right. Yeah. Good idea. Uh, well done. Well done, David's dad. Uh, if you were to go back to university, David, what do you think you'd study? History. Uh huh. Yeah. And I took a, I took a number of history classes, uh, you know, in undergrad and in, in graduate school. But I always, in the back of my mind, I always felt like, and I now I feel like this was ridiculous, but I always felt like, oh, I should be taking some more useful classes which is I say it out loud is ridiculous I, I wish if i could go back i would do full history degree all of it or is there any all, of, all, all of history all of, all of history uh no i um i would honestly uh, medieval history uh-huh. uh I, i'm just fascinated by it and if i could somehow pull off a medieval spy novel i probably would try but i don't think i could wow <laughs> yeah well if anyone could Um, So, uh, just finally, you're throwing a fantasy dinner party. Mm. You can invite three authors, alive or dead. Who would it be? Uh, Let's see. Mark Twain, George Orwell, and... Hemingway. Interest, an interesting. Do you think they'd get on? Doesn't I don't think almost so. certainly no. not. Almost certainly no. not. I think that that party might end in a murder. Uh, who would murder who? That's okay. a good question. I don't know. Maybe a murder suicide. I'm not sure. But I think you know. I think that would be an interesting if you could sustain the conversation. It's true. I kind of was just thinking of interesting people in a vacuum. But you're right that as the host of this party, you might have an interest in how well everybody gets on yeah that that is a consideration that is if a it consideration really going to happen you would thinking okay we're all guys oh, that's not good <laughs> that might not uh, be good yeah well, um, maybe yeah. maybe Hem- Hemingway a... will show up severely intoxicated yeah. yes to yeah. the party yeah 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 okay these are it's a kind of dinner party where you would want to be in the kitchen watching them but not actually in the room with yes. them because it would yeah. be mayhem that's right and you'd have to frisk mayhem. everybody for weapons before yeah. they came in yes and you might want to leave early <laughs> might all fall apart uh, David it's a, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you thank you very much indeed it'll only be a matter of moments before your next book is out <laughs> yeah obviously and, uh, and so we, we'll talk to you then Moscow X is published by Swift Press it's out now uh, if you want to get in touch you can email us at any time books of the year at yahoo.com uh, or you can contact us via our socials or just drop a message at your local CIA uh, yeah. station because Dead somehow yeah. they'll get the message to David and then David will let us know what's going on <laughs> Uh, Back next week with another episode. Hope you can join us then.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. <laughs> to be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.